Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. Please be seated. This is not about me. It is all about Him. Hallelujah. To God be the glory. It is so great to be here with you. And I'll tell you what, you are so blessed. Having Pastor Larry and Pastor Tiz and Pastor Nancy and the rest of this staff, which are people so committed to the Lord. And you know, I don't know of any church in this area that has blessed Israel more than New Beginnings. And God told Abraham, I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who curse you. Isn't it great that now we saw the eighth ambulance hospital on wheels in Israel. And I was thrilled about even a baby being born in one of those ambulances. And new beginnings. You are making a difference in the apple of God's eyes. The Jewish people. Praise God. Praise God. Well, today I'm going to talk about the Jewish people. My message is entitled, let's put the message on. Is it going to come on? Well, it's coming. Sooner or later it's coming. I'm going to talk to you about training for reigning. You got to do some training in order to reign. And uh, I'm going to use the life of Joseph to talk about that. What happened to the PowerPoint? Supposed to come. But anyway, um, that's all right. I don't need the PowerPoint, but uh, it'll come sooner or later. So I am going to tell you about Joseph. What's happened? All right. And... uh, Actually, in order to learn about Joseph, we need to talk about Jacob. Because Jacob will give us an understanding of where Joseph came from. And you know, Jacob was a twin along with uh, Esau. And the Word of God says that Esau was born first and Jacob was hanging onto uh, Esau's heel. And from them, he was called a supplanter, a con artist. And Jacob was the master con artist. And so we need to understand Jacob to understand why Jacob did what he did about Joseph. So even though it had been prophesied before Jacob and Esau were born, that the younger will, the older will serve the younger. In spite of that, Jacob and his mother, Rebekah, decided to help God. Have we ever been there before trying to help God? And so they begin to connive on how they are going to take the uh, first birthright from Esau. And even though God had already prophesied it. And so 
Jacob tries to steal Esau's birthright. First, he, quote, buys his birthright with a pot of beans. And then his uh, mother conspires with him to deceive his father. So his father gives him the law of blessings. And so he stole the blessing from Esau. But you know something? We all know the law of the harvest, right? Amen. Galatians 6, 7. But do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And so Jacob, after conning his brother twice, his brother is so angry, wants to kill him. So he scats. And he is running. And uh, he's going to meet a bigger con artist than he was. So, you know, Laban, Laban, his mother's brother, is, uh, has him because the minute he gets there, he falls in love with Rachel. Yeah. And uh, he asks Laban, I want to marry Rachel. And Laban says, well, okay, work for me for seven years and I'll give you Rachel. And the Bible says that seven years seemed like a few days because he loved, he loved that girl so much. And uh, they have a big bash. I'm sure that Jacob was drunk out of his mind. And here is his wife with a veil. They go to bed in the morning. He wakes up. And it's not Rachel. It's Leah. And so he gets mad and uh, Laban said, well, work for me another seven years and I'll give you her too. And then after that, uh, the Bible says that for the next six years, he changed his salary ten years. But God supernaturally makes uh, Jacob prosper. But You know, Jacob had two supernatural encounters with God. One on his way to Go meet his wife. He stops at a place that he called Bethel. The house of God. And uh, in Bethel he sees a ladder going up to heaven. And he sees angels ascending and descending. And the order is very important. First ascending and then descending. Our worship ascends to God and his presence descends to us. As a matter of fact, I designed something that I call the holy circle. Worship leads us to his presence and his presence leads us to worship. And you get into that circle. Worship Leads you to his presence. His, let, his presence leads you to worship some more. And his presence keeps on coming. And you keep on worshiping. And I'll tell you there's no better place you can be than in that circle. And the longer you can remain in that circle. The more the glory of God will be manifested. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Learn to get on that holy circle. Remember that. Worship. Brings his presence. And his presence leads you to worship. Hallelujah. Now. 
On the way back, after his 20 years, he has a second encounter with God. Actually, he wrestles with God. And God changes his name. He no longer is going to call, be called Jacob, the con artist, the supplanter, the deceiver. But he was going to be called Israel, which means prince. You know what that is? That's a ratification of the covenant. Say, when I was here last, we talked about covenant. Some of you may remember that. It's been a long time, but he has to invite me a little more often than every year and a half. You know that? But anyway, when I was here last, I talked about covenant, about the covenant that God made with Abraham and then changed his name to Abraham. And he put part of his name in the middle of Abraham. And then he was ratified with Isaac. And now it's ratified with Jacob. And Jacob is called now Prince. Prince of God. But in spite of those two encounters with God, Jacob is still playing favorites. And so, I mean, so now Joseph, with the 11th son, becomes the favorite. Remember that... Rachel was the love of his life. So even though he had had 10 other sons through Leah and through Leah's maid and through Rachel's maid, the 11th son come, the son of his beloved. So I'm sure from the very beginning that Jacob was born, he became the favorite. Joseph was born, Joseph became the favorite. So probably... Jacob did with Joseph what he didn't do with the other 11 sons because he longed to be with Rachel all the time. So I am sure that Joseph grew up hearing stories about his great-grandfather Abraham. And he was the favorite of Jacob. And now we hear about the coat of many colors. I was telling Pastor Nancy, a little while ago, she has a pant, some pants of many colors. And I said, well, that's like the coat of many colors. But you know something? Most people misunderstand what the coat of many colors was. And they think it was just a pretty color, a fancy, a fancy coat, a, an expensive coat. But that's not the, the, what the coat was all about. You see, we need to understand the culture, to understand what the coat... The coat is actually one that is called in the Jewish culture a coat of me'il, which is a coat of authority. He was given a coat of authority. What Jacob was saying, Joseph was, is going to get the birthright. The double blessing will come to Joseph, even so he is the 11th son. That's what that coat of many colors is. You are given the mantle of authority. You will receive the firstborn blessing, the double blessing. That's why his brothers wanted to kill him. I mean, the brothers could excuse the two dreams as, well, that's youthful immaturity. But ruling over us, no way. That's why they wanted to kill him. Nothing to do with the two dreams. It was way beyond that. And so they 
throw him in a pit, and you know the story. They, here comes this caravan. Coincidence. <laughs> and uh, they decide, well, why kill him? Let's just get some money for it. And they sell Joseph as a slave to the Midianites for 20 pieces of silver. It's not similar to Jesus was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. And so now Joseph is going on this caravan to, to be a slave. But you know something? Even in the midst of that, you can see the grace of God. You know those caravans, that those Midianite caravans, what they normally carried was tar. And it was foul smelling and you know the fumes were very difficult you know what that caravan was carrying spices the fragrance it's like the fragrance of the holy spirit was in that caravan in the midst of evil and and that's just maybe one little nugget of god saying i got this i'm with you so he is about to embark on a long refining fire walk. And, uh, you know, he doesn't have any clue what's going to happen. But I'll tell you, sometimes, so many times we found ourselves in a situation that we don't know what's going on. We don't know what is ahead. But we need to realize who is with us. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And so, in spite of circumstances, we got to rely on God's promises. We belong to him. So, Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this very thing. That he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And then... In 1 Thessalonians 1.24, faithful is he that calleth you, that he will also do it. The word of God says that his calls are irrevocable. You have a call of God, but you don't see it come to pass, don't despair. His call will come to pass. We need to trust him, not trust the circumstances. I remember one time I was having... Lunch with a pastor friend of mine uh, in a restaurant at a mall here in Dallas. And uh, as we're walking out of the restaurant, here comes this, this guy. I think, I, I don't remember his name. Let's say it was Mike. And so my pastor friend says, hey, Mike, how are you? And Mike says, well, under the circumstances. And my pastor friend says, what are you doing under there? <laughs> what are you doing under the circumstances. You're supposed to be above the circumstances. Remember the old Pentecostal song? Under my feet. Under my feet. Satan is under my feet. Old, old, old. The young people don't know what I'm talking about. That was back in the height of the Pentecostal revival. And so, let's just put ourselves into the shoes of Joseph. Can you imagine that first day in that caravan? Bitterness, anger, 
disappointment, fear. I mean, his whole world seemed to have crumbled. From wearing a coat of authority to now being half naked, if not totally naked, in chains as a slave. I mean, it must have been a shock. But you know, after a while, realizing the situation that he's in, he has to put those bad thoughts away from him. You know, the enemy is going to come and put all kinds of negative thoughts every time you, you are in a circumstance that is not peachy. And peachy circumstances just come every now and then. What are you doing between? Well, Second Corinthians 5, 10, 4 and 5 says, So the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I'm bringing every thought, every thought, every thought into captivity to obedience of Christ. Hallelujah. Greater is he. Greater is he. James 4, 7 says, submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and what does it say? He will flee from you. Hallelujah. 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 Do not get intimidated by satanic attack because Satan is under your feet. Amen. Satan was defeated at the cross and we stand on the victory we have in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now, do you think that Jacob could be comforted that God knows what he's going through. Maybe Jacob is remembering Isaiah 53. For he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement for my peace, for my well-being, for my wholeness was upon him. And with his stripes I am healed. And, and you know, maybe... Maybe, just maybe, he is remembering all the stories, all the scripture that his father Jacob shared with him. All the stories about his great-grandfather Abraham. And so, he says, well, what about my dreams? Didn't God give me those dreams? Well, if God gave me those dreams, they are going to come to us. And you see, so you have to stand on what God has told you. Stand on the promises of God. And so finally. He realizes. The only way to survive. He must trust in God. And be rooted in his word. So. He goes back. And begins to meditate. On God's promises. To his great grandfather Abraham. I will make you. A great nation. I will make your name great. I will bless you. And you will be a blessing. You need to realize. The purpose God blesses you. Is so you can become a channel of blessings. So you can become a channel of blessings. And you know the more. You become a channel of blessings. The more God blesses you. So you can be a bigger channel of blessings. It's not that 
for you to put it in a can, put the lid on it, and sit on the lid. It's for you to share those blessings, become a channel of blessings. And he continues thinking, I will bless those that bless you. I will curse those that curse you. This is why it is so important that you bless the nation of Israel. Israel is still God's chosen people. Don't believe the lie of replacement theology. Israel is the apple of God's eyes. And let me tell you, this church has been blessed. Larry and this ministry has been blessed because this church blesses Israel. And that blessing comes back a hundredfold. So you can bless some more. And it started with one one. Ambulance. As a matter of fact, I think I was in this church when the first ambulance was delivered to Israel. Isn't that right? And I remember Pastor Larry putting a picture of that first ambulance. Now it's eight. Eight. And the blessings keep being multiplied. And if you don't, didn't know it, this church is planting olive trees in Israel. And that's the anointing. Of the Holy Spirit of those olive trees is coming upon you. And you're receiving the overflow. You're receiving the overflow. Receive it. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So I'm sure that he was just meditating upon all these great promises to Abram. Abraham. And uh, so he became fully persuaded. You know, if you want to read a chapter in faith in the Bible, the number one chapter about faith in the Bible is Romans chapter 4. And it talks about Abraham. And it says that Abraham, against hope, he believed in hope. Now, let me, let me give you the story. Abraham is 99 years old. And Sarah is 89 years old. And God says by this time next year you're going to have a son. From Sarah. So against hope. It's Romans 4.18. Abraham believed in hope. Actually, by this time, he was Abraham. As a matter of fact, let me, let me back up for a little bit. Fifteen years later, because, you know, fifteen years later, Sarah decides to help God. And, you know, Abraham now is 85 years old. 86, actually. 86 years old. And... Uh, Sarah says, well, you know, God told us 10 years ago, when Abraham was 75, your seed shall be as the sands of the sea. Your seed shall be as the stars of the heaven. And uh, 10 years have passed. And now Abraham is 86. No child. So Sarah has this bright idea. Well, you know, here is my... Egyptian maid, why don't you go to bed with my Egyptian maid and have a child through her? And she do, he does. He was perhaps a little more than willing. And uh, out comes Ishmael. 
And as a matter of fact, the last time I was in this church was when we had a, a day to talk about Israel. And I said, that's where the Arab-Israeli conflict started. It started with Ishmael 4,500 years ago. But now, God does something right after that. He said to Abram, which means my father is exalted. You know, names in the Bible have meaning. Your name has a meaning. And so God changes the name of Abram to Abraham. And he took his name, yud Hey bad Hey, And he takes one of the Hays and he puts it in the middle of the word Abraham, And he becomes Abraham. No longer my father is exalted, but father of a multitude. And so for 15 years, Abraham, now called Abraham... Hey, how are you? I'm Joseph, or I'm, I'm Ezekiel. Oh, I am a father of a multitude. For 15 years, he had to confess, I'm the father of a multitude without a child. You think faith was building? Faith was building? He was declaring what God had said for 15 years. Declare the promises of God. I do that every day. I have a list of 101 healing scriptures which I sent to Pastor Larry and Pastor Tis. And they, together with me, declare those scriptures daily. And we saw Tis totally healed. We saw Lion totally healed. And that is what happens when you begin declaring the word of God. So he spent now 14 years declaring every time he said his name. I'm the father of a multitude. So now, when he's 99, and here comes God and said, by this time next year, you're going to have a child. Faith has already built with 14 years. And so, he says, against hope, he believed in hope. The next verse, he says, being not weak in faith, he considered not. The Bible says, he considered not his body now dead, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb. He's 99, Sarah is 89, and she's been barren all her life. So he considered not his own body, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God with unbelief. He did not allow unbelief to cause his face to be shaken. See, the enemy is going to come at you just like he came at Eve. Did God really say... That's his favorite phrase. Did God really say? How do you know he's God? And you know. The other thing that the enemy is going to come and say to you. You know. You're such a sorry excuse of a Christian. I mean. God is totally ashamed of you. Why don't you just throw in the towel? Give it up. But I'll tell you what. He staggered not. At the promise of God through unbelief. He did not allow unbelief to come. But he was fully persuaded. Fully persuaded that what God said. He was also able to perform. Let me ask you a question. Are you fully persuaded? Not be too quick about saying yes. 
think about it in your heart. Are you truly, fully persuaded that God will do what he promises he was going to do? Because I'll tell you, when you become fully persuaded, nothing can shake you. When you become fully persuaded, you are not going to be waffling. You're not going to be just, well, maybe, maybe not. No, no, no. We have to become fully persuaded. God said it, and it is so. And I believe it, and I like what Gloria Copeland says. And I cling on to it with bulldog faith. I cling on to it and I don't let go. Hallelujah. We need to become fully persuaded. You are going to see the promises of God in your life be realized when you become fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. Nothing can shake you. He said it and it is so. Period. Glory, glory, glory. And then Joseph decides that integrity will be the guide in his life. He will be the opposite of his father who was a con artist. Integrity will rule his life. The greatest chapter in the Bible about integrity is Psalms 15. And the key verse is verse 4. He to even to his own heart. He does not change. You do the right thing even if it costs you. That is integrity. You do the right thing even if it costs you. He's, he will have a servant spirit. He will have a spirit of excellence. And Joseph is sold as a slave to Potiphar, a captain of Pharaoh's. Guard, and here's this little phrase that you see repeated all through the life of Joseph. But the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. So now he's sold as a slave to a very important man who is basically a captain under Pharaoh. And before long, Joseph is promoted. Now you think about this. Here's a kid. He couldn't have been over 17 years old. And uh, he sold to Egypt. New language. But remember, he made a commitment to excellence. So I am sure the minute he became a slave, he decided, I'm going to learn this language. And he probably, after he did all his duties as slave, he probably spent six, eight hours in the evening learning the Egyptian language. And I am sure because of what we we'll read later on. That he became very proficient in the Egyptian language. And so he must have learned the Egyptian language. In order to be the boss of all the slaves. He had to communicate with those slaves. So before long he's put in charge of all of Potiphar's possession. Not only in charge of the slaves. Potiphar says I'm not going to worry about anything that I own. You manage Everything that I got. You know that's the favor of God. And that's somebody understanding. This is a man of honor. This is a man of integrity. And remember Potiphar is not a believer. 
But he could see integrity in front of him. But now comes the test of moral purity. Potiphar's wife sends all the servants out of his house. She's alone and she tries to seduce Joseph. And uh, Joseph is committed to integrity. She grabs his tunic and he just gets out from under the tunic and he flees. Something very interesting. For the second time, his clothing is used to convict him. Before, you know, the evidence was when the brothers sold him, they took that coat of many colors, that coat of authority. They killed the goat and covered it in blood and told his father, well, Joseph has been killed by a beast. Here's his coat full of blood. Now again, his coat is used against him. And let me talk to you a little bit about this test of purity. Proverbs 7, and all of Proverbs 7 is about sexual immorality. And it says, talking about the strange woman, the harlot, let not thine heart decline to her way, go not astray in her path. Many strong men have been slain by her. I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you, have you failed this test? If you have failed this test and you have succumbed to sexual immorality, God's forgiveness is there for you. I want to ask those of you in the congregation and those of you that are watching me online, perhaps you have had a roving eye. Perhaps you succumb to sexual immorality, to adultery. Or perhaps you are involved in pornography. And you justify the pornography by saying, well, it's just me and the computer in the privacy of my own heart, of my own room. Nobody's hurt. That's a lie. Pornography will rot your soul. The word of God says in Proverbs 4.23. Above all things guard your heart. Because out of it flow the issues of life. Let me tell you. Pornography will destroy your life. The word of God says. That the eyes are the window of the soul. What comes in through your eyes. Will touch your heart. And it will corrupt your heart. You know, we need to get to the point to where we do like Job did in Job 31.1. Where it says that Job made a covenant with his eyes that he will not look upon a young maiden. If you have a roving eye, make a covenant with your eyes. Make a covenant with your eyes. I will not look at anything improper. You know, many years ago, I had a problem with a roving eye. And I used this verse. And I made a covenant with my eyes. And let me tell you, this has been many years ago. Even today, 
I am driving the highway. And, you know, it seems like you cannot sell a car without having a half-naked woman on the ad. Well, when I'm driving and there's a billboard like that, my eyes, without my even thinking, turn another way. If the television is on and there is a, a, an image, and you see a lot of these images on ads, unfortunately, improper, my eyes, without my even thinking, turn the other way. God has honored that covenant with my eyes that I made decades ago. But I'll tell you, I am sure that there are people watching me, whether here or online, that you have a problem in this area. You have a problem with a roving eye. Perhaps you have succumbed to adultery. Perhaps you're involved in pornography. Today is the day of your deliverance. I want to pray for you. I want you to realize that God is rotting your soul. And that will destroy you. Everybody with their eyes closed, please. I want to pray. Father, Lord God. Father, Lord God, I want to pray for every person that is listening to my voice. Whether here or online, Father. That has been involved in pornography. Or has violated their marriage vows and has committed adultery. Or that even has a roving eye and has lost in their hearts. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke those as tools of the enemy. And I declare deliverance. Deliverance. Jesus came to bring deliverance to the captives. Right now, receive your deliverance in the name of Jesus. Make a covenant with your eyes. Do not allow your eyes to be polluted because they will pollute your heart. I declare total, absolute deliverance in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now giving thanks. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God of my salvation. And, you know, remember, God is with Joseph. So he receives grace. Normally, for trying to commit sexual assault, the punishment was execution. But instead of execution, he gets prison. That's the grace of God. You see, there were promises that God had made to Jacob, I mean to Joseph, and they haven't come to pass. This is why I'm not afraid of anything. I ain't going anywhere. I got a task from God and I haven't finished it. The devil cannot kill me. I haven't finished the assignment God gave me. And the devil has no authority over my life. The devil is under my feet. Hallelujah. So the Lord was with Joseph. And even in the prison. Before very long he's promoted. And now he's in charge of the prison. He's running the prison. Hallelujah. I don't care what prison you're in. God is greater than prison. And God can make you in the midst of that prison, prison to operate as a prince, not as a prisoner. Yes. Hallelujah. And even in the prison, he's there with you. He said to Joshua, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Hallelujah. 
Jesus said to his disciples, He that is greatest among you must become the servant of all. I entitled this message, Training for Reigning. How do you reign? You first need to become a servant. By the way, I think I heard kind of a, the beginning of a noise of music. There ain't no way I can finish in five minutes. So put your clocks away. And I ain't going anywhere. And I ain't shutting up until, this, until God finishes this message. Hallelujah. And Jesus says, as you have done it unto the least of these. And by the way, if they turn my mic, I can speak loud enough without the mic. Remember Paul and Silas in jail? They are in shackles. They are in shackles in a dungeon. Totally dark. And instead of feeling sorry for themselves, what are they doing? They're singing and praising God. Hallelujah. So, you know, we all encounter prison-like experiences. The question is that, what are you going to do? How are we going to respond? Because that will, depend, will determine the outcome. How you respond to those prison experiences will determine the outcome. Colossians 3.23 And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. If you do everything as unto the Lord and not unto men, you know something? God will bless you. Instead of you feeling sorry for yourself, instead of you feeling sorry for that job that you hate, do it as unto the Lord, not unto your boss, unto the Lord. And God will bless you in the midst of that circumstance. And you know something? In the midst of that circumstance, the joy of the Lord will fill your heart. Hallelujah. We need to allow God's fire to refine our hearts. You know, in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, all of 2 Chronicles chapter 6 is Solomon doing a prayer of dedication to the temple. And it says, it begins the chapter by saying that Solomon climbed all the steps to the altar. So the altar was not on the floor. The altar in the temple had steps going up to it. And he said he climbed up the steps to the altar, raised his, kneeled and raised his hands. So I know his prayer was also worship. And all of chapter 6 of Second Chronicles is God's, uh, Solomon's prayer to God on the dedication of the temple. Chapter 7 begins by saying, when Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consume the sacrifice. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says. I beseech you therefore my brethren. By the mercies of God. That you present your bodies. As a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God. Which is your reasonable service. You know that sacrifice on that altar. Was a dead animal. He had no choice. But Romans 12 said You voluntarily place yourself in the altar and allow the fire of God to purify you. Allow that fire of God to consume you. And the fire has two purposes. Number one is a fire of purification to burn all the dross, to burn all the garbage in your life. 
But number two, it's a fire of anointing. It's a fire of anointing that you can get up from that altar under the power of the Holy Spirit and do great exploits for God. And Second Chronicles chapter 7 continues. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Remember that old song? No ye not, no ye not, you're the temple. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. This is the temple that God wants to fill. And so the fire of God will burn the garbage and then his glory will fill the temple. And you are the temple. And then in verse 3 he says, And because the glory of the Lord had filled the temple, the priests could not enter the temple and they fell on their faces and worshipped. Remember the holy circle? His presence leads you to worship. And worship leads you to his presence. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And you will become more than a conqueror. Fit to be used to God for his purpose. And his purpose will always be a greater purpose than your purpose. And you will hear God says, well done. Thou good and faithful servant. Now... In the, you know the story. I'm not going to take time in the story. But you know that a, a baker and a cupbearer come both from the king's palace. Come to Joseph. And Joseph interprets their dreams. And the dreams come true. The baker is hung. And the cupbearer becomes a cupbearer again in the kingdom. So Joseph begins to think. Well, if their dreams came to pass... Maybe my dreams will come to pass too. I don't think he said maybe. I think he was fully persuaded. <laughs> he was fully persuaded that his dreams will come to pass. So now, Pharaoh has a dream. As a matter of fact, he has two dreams. And nobody can tell him what the dreams mean. So now, the cupbearer remembers Joseph. And remembers that Joseph interpreted the dream for him and said, uh, Tell Pharaoh that, hey, I, I know this Jewish guy that he interprets dreams. So they go grab Joseph from that dungeon and he comes from the dungeons to the palace. They put on a new robe on him and he goes before Pharaoh. And he interprets a dream. And he says, Pharaoh, there are going to be seven years of plenty. Followed by seven years of famine. And Joseph tells Pharaoh what he must do. And Joseph gets a word of wisdom. You read in 1 Corinthians 12, one of the fruit of the Spirit. One of those gifts of the Spirit is a, fruit of, is a word of wisdom. He gets a word of wisdom. And he says to Pharaoh, Pharaoh, what you need to do is appoint a wise man. Well, who do you think he's going to pick? You, you appoint a, a wise man and you put him over the whole land. And you have him store during the seven years of plenty. So you have plenty during the seven years of want. Now let me talk to you. Do you think you can apply this to your finances? Or are you one that your monthly situation is... Instead of having more money at the end of the month, you have more months at the end of your money. 
And perhaps you need to realize that just like the book of Proverbs talked about the ants, that they store food in the summer so they could eat in the winter, maybe perhaps we could heed this message about us. We are stewards of everything, including our finances. And you know, when you honor God and you put him first, this is why the tithe is so important. And it cannot be a tithe. It is first fruits. It's not any 10%. It's the first 10%. And when you honor him with your first fruits, God multiplies the rest. And then you can start putting away so you can what? Become a channel of blessings. Amen. Hallelujah. So he, here this guy that began a slave becomes promoted now to the supreme authority. He is the highest authority in Egypt besides Pharaoh. And now I'm going to tell you, show you a lot of the comparison between Joseph and Jesus. He will become the deliverer, not only of Egypt, but of all the nations who were in famine and even of his own family. Just like Jesus is our deliverer for everyone that knows Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. And Pharaoh takes up his ring, and the ring is a symbol of authority. And he takes that ring off his finger and he puts it on Joseph's finger. And he transfers all the authority to Joseph. He says, no one, no one will have more authority than you, except me. Hallelujah. Are you familiar with Matthew 28, 18, the Great Commission? Let me give you a new understanding of the Great Commission. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, all power or all authority in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. What are the next three words? Come on now. Nobody here memorizes scripture. I'm going to have to give you homework. What are the next three words? Go ye therefore. Go ye therefore. You know what that is? That is a delegation of authority. Jesus is saying unto you and I. Because all authority in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. Therefore you go. That is a delegation of authority for us to move forward on the power and the authority of the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. It is about time we stop walking around as whims and we stop walking on the authority of the name of Jesus. Because at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. At the name of Jesus, Satan has no authority. But you got to realize who you are. Nancy, my next time you invite me, I will come and talk about identity, who you are in Christ. Hallelujah. I don't have time to do it today. So, so Pharaoh arrayed Joseph in clothes of fine linen. You remember about the marriage supper of the lamb that you hear in Revelation 19? It says to her, to the church was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, which is the righteousness of the church. It's the righteousness of God in us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
And now Joseph is standing at the right hand of Pharaoh. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. Why sitting, not standing? Because he said at the cross, it is finished. It is finished. He's done it all. And then he calls Joseph Saphanapania, which means he who provides from the substance of the land. Well, God is called Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. Matthew 6.33. It says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Philippians 4.19. For my God shall supply all your needs. How many? All your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And Jesus' new name is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And our new name is Christians. Christians. We are sons and daughters. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. According to Romans 8, 16 and 17. Stop walking around like a pauper. You are a child of the king. That means everyone who knows Jesus is a prince or a princess. You're royalty. The apostle Peter says that you are a royal priesthood. A chosen generation. The king of kings lives in you. Walk as a child of the king. Hallelujah. And you know. Joseph is giving a Gentile wife. Well, Jesus was giving a Gentile wife too. That's you and I, the church. And Pharaoh says, everyone in the land of Egypt shall bow the knee to Joseph. Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11 says, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall confess in heaven in earth and under the earth every knee shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father hallelujah and then Pharaoh says without Joseph no man can lift hand or foot Jesus said to his disciples I am the vine you're the branches without me you can do nothing Hallelujah. And Joseph has two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And Manasseh means he who makes me forget. And Ephraim means fruitful. We need to forget. We need to be free from the past and move on to fruitfulness. To stop being encumbered by the chains that you're carrying from your past. You're free. You're free from your past to move on to fruitfulness. And then Joseph encounters his brothers. And uh, his brothers come only because they need bread. They don't recognize him. He puts Simeon in jail. They don't even get it. They're still not repentant. They come back with Benjamin. Finally, repentance comes to them. And Joseph just reveals himself to them and they're reconciled and I'm going to move to this very quickly and uh, they said Joseph says to them look 
God sent me to preserve life. Your life, the life of my family, the life of actually all of humanity. He is a picture of Jesus. He's a type of Jesus. So they bring him to the best of the land. And uh, then they are there. But look at the contrast. You know, ever since Joseph is taken into slavery. Jacob says, I will not be comforted. I will die in mourning. And he's in this bitterness and condemnation. And actually, even when he meets Joseph, instead of being excited and joyful, what he says, well, now I've seen Joseph, I can die. And he continued in this, you know, little cloud like this little guy in peanuts, you know. And then before he dies, what that coat of many colors meant becomes to pass. He received a double portion. And you notice when the land was given, Ephraim and Manasseh, they took two portions of the land. They got a double blessing. And Reuben, who was the natural firstborn, he, this blessing is taken away from him. And Jacob says, you will amount to nothing. You will amount to nothing. I'm going to have to finish. And uh, he says to his brothers, because they still don't believe they've been forgotten. He says, look, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. The word of God tells us, let this man be in you. That was also in Christ Jesus, who made himself of no reputation to talk upon himself the form of servant. I'm going to move forward and just wrap this up. What do you do when you've been stripped of your identity? What do you do when you've been sold into slavery? What do you do when nobody knows you? What do you do when God has given you a vision, but it hasn't come to pass? Well, you need to look at the word of God. First of all, you need to walk by faith, not by sight. And you got to keep on walking. Proverbs 24, 16 says the righteous may fall seven times and gets up again. I mean, we all fall. We all stumble and fall. But when you fall, you got two choices. You can stay down there falling sorry for yourself. Or you can get up with twice the determination and keep moving forward. And remember, he said, I'm with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Number two, your identity is in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that he, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin for us. That we may be made the righteousness of God in Christ. He became who you were. That you may become who he is. Jesus put on our filthy rags. That we may put on his robe of righteousness. And today Jesus sees you as righteous as him. It's not your righteousness anyway. It's his righteousness that he's put on you. Number three, God is bigger than your circumstances. If God is for you, who can be against you? Number four, agree with what God said. God said it, 
It is so, and I believe it, and I cling on to it with bulldog faith. Amen. Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, For I know the plans that I have for you. And they are plans for good and not for evil to give you a purpose and a future. Hallelujah. Number five, declare the promises of God. Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Speak life. Stop speaking death. Speak the promises of God. Well, I know that my time, I, I probably could go for 10, 15 minutes more, but I'm going to wrap it up right here. And I'll tell you what. You need to realize that in him is the fullness of the Godhead. I'll tell you. God does not want you to walk through this life defeated. The word of God tells us in Romans chapter 5 verse 17. That those who receive two things. The abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life through the one Christ Jesus. Now I know we're going to reign over there. But that verse is talking about reigning over here. How do you reign in life? We need to realize we need to receive the abundance of grace. It's all by grace. We need to receive the grace of God and and realize that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Reject the condemnation that the devil is putting on you. And live in the fullness of Jesus Christ. And then just confess him. Declare the word of God. Declare the promises of God. And be used as a mighty warrior in the kingdom of God. Let us pray. Father Lord God I bless you. Father, I exalt you, I glorify you, I magnify your name, Father. And Father, Lord God, right now, I pray that if there's anyone in the sound of my voice that does not know your Son, Jesus Christ, as his or her Lord and Savior. I declare that right now, Lord God, you bring revelation knowledge, Father. That you loved us so much that you sent your only begotten Son, Father. That whosoever, and that includes you and me, whosoever believes in him in Jesus will not perish but have everlasting life thank you Lord God that Jesus went to a cross and took upon himself all of my sins and all of the sins of each and every person at the sound of my voice my voice and the wrath of God was poured upon Jesus as full punishment of our sins and Jesus went through death, the grave, and hell as full payment for our sins. And the, the proof that the payment was complete, O oh Father, was that you raised him from the dead on the third day. Now, Lord God, we confess Jesus Christ is my Lord. I just confess that he did it for me and I receive that done for me. Lord God, use me to your glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, thank you.